Got something on your mind? We do too. So wherever you are, whether you're walking your dog, on the train, or just sitting at home, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the second part of this very special two-part episode of What's On Your Mind. Now, if you haven't listened to the first episode, we'd highly encourage doing so, because not only does it give background context and information on who our special guest of this episode is, but also it gives the precursor as to how we ended up here. We hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Oh, and as a disclaimer, What's On Your Mind is not a politically driven podcast. This has been repeated a few times, but it's important to emphasize that the accounts are simply for us to share experiences and thoughts of our guests and of Rahil and I. Now, enjoy the rest of this episode. He was actually, he was like, I wiped away a tear um, and, you know, I believe that one day I'll see him again. And the faith of these people in those situations is just... I mean, we say subhanAllah. Like, yeah. which translates to God makes no mistake. Yeah. Um, well, God is free from imperfection. Yeah. In that sense. You know, I've, I've also heard of, um, there was a, there was a Palestinian man whose mum died. Mm. Um, I believe it was natural causes though. I think it was mm-hmm. cancer, but he smiles as he says that because he's like, I am with Yaqeen. It's actually my mum's mm-hmm. name, which means certainty. Mm. He's wow. like, with Yaqeen, I know she's being rewarded. Yeah. So he smiles. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, that kind of gives me goosebumps. It it does. Like the whole, the faith that even in this awful situation. And so it was a drone strike. We watched it on his phone. The IOF published the video. His, I believe his wife was pregnant. She was inside the home. Um, and in that culture, um, people sit outside in the morning. They'll have their like tea or coffee outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On like as a community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the house next door got hit by the drone strike and he got caught. Um, I believe it was like the fifth cousin he's buried. Um, And it was just this outstanding display of faith that they, he will be rewarded, um, that there is something better, there's something bigger. And I think it really opened a conversation about the similarities between Christianity and Islam and I think those sort of conversations are really important to highlight. Yeah. Because I think there is... There's more similarity. I mean, as a Muslim, I mean, I became proudly much more Muslim this yeah, year yeah. as well. And in my research, there's a lot of beautiful overlap. Yeah, know. they're Abrahamic faiths. They're Abraham. um, you yeah. know, Jerusalem is a shared city between Jews, Christians and, and, and Muslims. Muslims yeah. um, and there's no animosity between any of the Muslim Palestinians Absolutely. I spoke to and Jewish people. They believe they are native to the land as well. Jesus Absolutely. was a Jew. Um, and, you know, it really opened that conversation. And I think it's it's important for me to highlight that that conversation happened. Yeah. Because it was such a natural um, sort of flow. There was no, this is what we believe. Like, this is this is what is right. It was, let's have a conversation. In terms of what is Islam. Like, yeah. what is Islam? Yeah. Like, what do you believe? Like, what do I believe? Where's the similarities? Like, this is why I'm at peace with him passing, you know? And it was just, I feel very interested by Islam as a faith. Yeah. Um, because there's so much beauty to it. And people seem to take such comfort in their religion. Um, Can't help but smile really hard. But you know, like when people yeah. eat and they say Bismillah before they eat. Yeah. Um, and the generosity I was shown 
uh, by Palestinian families was just like nothing I've ever experienced. Like the fact that they hosted us with the most beautiful food, like yeah. food I've never tasted before. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, do you, so do you remember good. the names of what, the things you ate? No, it was like, did you so, eat mensef? No. So they did like this chicken and rice and they yeah. did this uh, bondura like yeah. soup thing, which yeah. I can eat. Yeah. Uh, I very politely was like, I'm Andy Hassasiam in Bondura, which means I'm allergic, Hassasia, yeah. <laughs> allergic to tomatoes. Um, but they had this beautiful pasta bake that had like lamb in it. And I kid you not, I've been to Italy, right? Pasta's yeah. good in Italy. This was like better. Yeah. And you, you haven't even finished your plate and they're piling more on. Yeah. And they're all laughing at us because yeah. we're like, like we're full. Yeah. Like we're full. Um, but it's a display of like, that's our, that's yeah. a love language. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, shukran, shukran. Like, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Um, and they're like, yeah, like they're, they're just ladling just, it on. I'm like, yeah, um, beautiful. Yeah. And the girl who was on the minibus with us, she was still there. She was trying to get right into Janine camp. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, my family are happy to host you tonight. And I'm like, mm. thank you. That's so kind. I then learned the word Mejnoon, which means crazy. Mejnoon. Uh, Mejnoon. Um, and apparently the water bats, I believe, yeah. uh, had been hit by uh, gunfire and had flooded the house. So the guy that we had originally met on this bus, he was like, Mejnoon, like, do not go. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, her house has already been targeted. And his uncle was like, you will stay here tonight. Do you know why the house was targeted? Just because it was in Janine Camp. Like, the raid in Janine... What, what, what is it about Janine Camp? That's... It's it's a stronghold for the resistance. Yes. And um, the, the makeup of the camp makes it extremely hard for the IOF to go in on foot which is why you saw the drone strike in the morning. And you have the surveillance um, planes. Yeah. And you have the surveillance planes because it's it's just a very difficult camp to navigate on foot. There's a lot of hiding places. And it's really funny because we'd been to Nablus the day before, two days before, sorry. Yeah. And we'd been met at the gates of Balata camp by a youth with a gun. Um, I forgot what gun it was. My partner knew from playing Call of Duty, which was like... <laughs> crazy I to me I was, like, Call of Duty I was like why does he know I think it was an M4 and I was like why do you know that it's a good gun on Call of Duty um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know Balata is the same yeah. it's, it's a camp that's very regularly raided very regularly has the infrastructure wow. just obliterated wow. um, and so with people being in the middle of it obviously yeah like civilians are the ones that are caught up in this and they've got the martyr posters everywhere so it's it's a camp that like Balata, is just very regularly raided. It's armed by Israel, which is something that I found very, very interesting when I was there. So um, settlers will, e will either sell their weapons and they end up in the hands of Palestinians um, or there's underground um, supply for Palestinians. So it's like Israel are arming the Palestinians, which gives them a reason to then um, have very heavy invasions and very heavy raids from the air. because. What? Because they'll say, oh, well, the Palestinians are armed. Yeah. Well, without sounding radical, if my home was being invaded and I was given a method of protecting my home, I can understand how people would go down that route. Yeah. And when, you know, you've got drones, you've got grenades, people's homes are being demolished when they haven't been found guilty yet, when they're in administrative detention. You can understand the psychology behind wanting to defend your land, wanting to defend your people. That is, it's quite basic human survival instinct. Um, yeah. Coming into play there. And when you, hopefully, inshallah, you go to Palestine one day. Inshallah. Like, <laughs> like honestly. Bye bye for inshallah. <laughs> um, 
like little Arabic words since moving to the Middle East have become beautiful, uh, very normal. Alhamdulillah, um, that's my response to that. I really struggle to say that. Like my British mouth doesn't. Alhamdulillah doesn't is usually the hard one. Yeah. Um, but you know, these people, everyone has a story. Everyone, everyone knows someone that's that they've lost. And I can't explain when we went to Balata the look on the young guy's face of just, you know, the photos of soldiers before they go to World War One and when yes. they come back, it was like that. It was just like shell shock. And so when we went to Janine and we were told what was happening, they'll be in and out in two to three hours. It then turned into a day. It then turned into a night. You were going to sleep to the sounds of... And you could hear screaming. Um, you could hear sirens. And the guy sits up from the couch in the evening and goes, oh, my uncle's just died. Right, okay. Casually. Just five of his cousins, I believe, four or five of his cousins were in the hospital and the hospitals were under siege. So nothing was allowed in, nothing was allowed out. They hadn't eaten. Uh, but they were in the hospital because the uncle was dying. Uh, no ambulances could tend to the wounded. And like you're right in the thick of like you could see it, you could see the bombs going off. Yeah. And the kid, like this seven-year-old kid, um, beautiful, beautiful child, um, he was obsessed with my camera. So many yeah. of the photos from that trip, yeah. like from that day, were were his. And he'd be like, It's cool, it's cool about the camera. And I I adored him. Yeah. Um, I saw you posted some, and they were very good pictures. They were really good photos. Yeah, like, I, I'll show you a photo of the the little boy later. I yeah. I haven't wanted to share his face on socials. Yeah. Um, I don't want people getting in trouble for yeah. hosting us. Um, but he that the kid turned around at one point when we were walking on this mountain, and he just goes bomb, and I'm like, bro, like, why does a seven year old know what a bomb is? At seven years old, I was wondering if my Nintendo dog had been fed that day. <laughs> Nintendo. Like my mum would be like, you can't go on your Nintendo today, and I'd be like, my dog. What a privilege. Like, right. that that was my main concern when I was what seven a, years old. What a perspective. And this kid turns around and goes, bomb. And then the guy who'd introduced us to his family was like, oh, that was only a small one. It'll only have killed one person. Only? Yeah, and like, you're on Twitter, and you're like refreshing your feed. Another person's dead. Hundreds being abducted from Janine Camp, led outside and tortured for information. And you can, you can, if you stopped, you could hear the screams. And... Like, I don't think I'll ever get those screams out. And, like, when the guy was first like, stop, you can hear the screams. I was like, no, I can't, I can't. And then when I stopped again, I could. And, like, when you're sleeping and you can hear it, it's just, it's just, like, there are no words. I don't have words to tell you. And you're seeing videos of mosques being invaded with soldiers going in with their shoes on and singing Hebrew over the speakers that are used for the call to prayer. And those same soldiers were taken off duty for that. But they weren't taken off duty for killing civilians, for blowing up homes. Janine's, Janine camp is flooded right now. Right now, the, flood, the roads, roads are totally flooded. Unbelievable. Because they bulldozed the roads when they raided the camp. Unbelievable. Yeah. Because uh, their argument, which I think is very important to show both sides, their argument yeah. is there are um, explosives under the roads. So they just bulldoze the roads. They bulldoze cars that are in the way. Uh, you've seen in Gaza, they bulldoze people. I've seen it. No, I've seen it. Um, and I think when you're there, when it's happening, you're not only concerned about the events as they're occurring, you're concerned about the ramifications of those. And the guy Absolutely. sits up and he goes, my uncle's just died. So his uncle, it was the uncle that had cancer. Yeah. And for me, it was the fact that not only had Israel stolen his cousin from him that morning, an innocent man sat drinking his coffee outside his home, they'd stolen the right 
to say goodbye. They'd stolen that. And that's something you that's, can never get back. You can't, no. And I just, it was it was really hard. And, you know, I then got upstairs and one of the daughters uh, had given up her room for me and Aiden. And you know the saying, giving the clothes off your back? Yes. On the bed, there were a pair of fluffy pyjamas folded up. For you. And do you know what? Like, out of everything that day, that was the one thing that at the time just broke me. Like, just broke me. Because it was like, you're listening to this, like, going on right outside your home. And your thought is, this person, this stranger in my house, might want to sleep in pyjamas rather than in her clothes. And it just, like, rocked me. Like, it just totally rocked me. Um, And they arranged for a van to pick us up the next morning. No seatbelts in this van. Guy didn't speak English. (laughs) And we start this trek across Palestine to escape Janine. Uh, took over four and a half hours. Um, Jenny usually takes about an hour and a half. Um, and we get back to Ramallah. Uh, we get taken through Farah Camp. These two lovely guys that we met on the journey who hopped in. Um, they showed us a prison that was infamous for uh, the Israeli forces torturing children. Children? Um, yeah. Why? Um, that's that's what they do to kids. <laughs> uh, once you're in the, the sort of system, they they do whatever, you know, They'll, they'll amputate limbs to try and get confessions out of people. Administrative detention's a huge thing. What does administrative detention mean? So it's where you're imprisoned without trial. So you haven't been found guilty of anything yeah. and they will keep you in detention. Um, in quotations, investigate under investigation. Um, yeah, but they don't investigate. Right. Um, yeah. So when you're in administrative detention, um, they will still blow up your home. So that's a, a practice of collective punishment, which is illegal under international law under, I believe, the Hague Convention. Um, mm. And they, if you're under administrative detention, you've not been found guilty of any crime, they will still go to your home, your family home, um, usually arrest the people inside. And they will drill holes in the walls of your home and they will fill it with explosives and they will detonate the home and reduce it to rubble. And I want to say I was blessed enough, but that's not the right word. But in Asker camp... Uh, we gave pick a mix to some children and this was after we'd been denied entry to yeah. Balata. We went down the road to Aska, gave some pick a mix to some children yeah. um, and were surrounded by like 50 screaming kids. So these teenagers came out to investigate yeah. and we managed to have enough of a conversation with them. That they trusted us yeah. and they showed us like places where people have been shot on the floor, which is just like yeah. um, obscene. And they offered to show us a house that had been demolished. Um, and the the guy had already been martyred, so there was no trial. And they'd gone in, they'd arrested members of the family, all of them, including a disabled cousin, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, and they blew up this house, and we went in, and you could see the the spray paint marks where they'd worked out where they were gonna detonate. Like, yeah. you could see the holes that they'd drilled. And I went on Twitter, and they'd they'd published the video of them doing it. Um, almost like they were proud. That, almost like that, it was an achievement. That same, oh my goodness. Um, which was just like crazy to me. And it was on that same day that a, a gentleman in Aska camp was was murdered uh, by the Israeli forces. And they took me to the corner. And they just so simply were just like, oh, and this is where the, on the same morning of that raid, they, they killed him right here. And you just look at this corner and you're just like, it's a normal street corner. And he, he was shot there. He died there. He's 31. 31 years old. I believe his name was Naeem. Um, and they'd, they'd point to it. This, in, this is in Asker, not Janine. In Asker, there was one point where there was this little boy in a yellow coat and minding his business. 
and they took me to this big memorial on the wall and they pointed up and they said, that, that guy, his dad. You just, you look at this thing and you look Hello, down at this kid yeah. and you're like, and I started crying, like just instant tears yeah. rolling down my face. And the kids started laughing at me. They started pointing and laughing. And I had to turn away. I had to turn like down this little side street momentarily <laughs> to like wipe my face because I was like, yeah. bro, like pull yourself together. Um, you've got no reason to cry, right? Yeah. Um, but you, you can't never ask me to condemn the actions of these children in 20 years time um, when this is what they've lost. Um, I just, I can't wrap my head around what these children go through. I just, I, I can't understand how damaging that must be to their developing brains. They're not in education. They haven't been in education for a, a sustained period of time now. Um, there was no English spoken. It was all done through Translate. Yeah. Um, I was very careful. I didn't want any of their faces in anything. Yeah. Um, I have a real issue with the Western media going in and filming and they'll be filming people without balaclavas on holding guns and I'm like, you're making them a target. Yeah. If I can find that on Twitter, so can everyone else. Yes. Um, but, you know, people in the UK, they have therapy when their family dog dies and these are people who've lost multiple family members. Children. And they're four, yeah. five, six years old. They're teenagers losing their friends every other week and they're so nonchalant about it. And I, I do think faith plays a massive part of that. It does. I, it, it really stays in my head the whole, you, you cannot defeat a people, a country where the people believe that death is not the end. I really, really believe that. It shows. But it's so, so ingrained in, in their everyday life to the point where in Janine, the guy goes, this really scares me, by the way. He goes, we take comfort in the fact that you never hear the bomb that kills you. What? And I'm then like, so when I go... Those going, words. No, that, I mean... It, it, and he said it so blasé. Yeah. And I'm going back to Palestine in March. Um, and it's just like in my head, like, so great. If I get you, hit you, by a bomb, I'm never going to know. You take comfort in that. And they take comfort in that. And I I find that fearful. As in, you you won't feel it. You, 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 so if you get bombed, you won't feel it. But you also never see or hear the bullet that hits you. But usually when they shoot you, you do know you've been shot. They die in agony on the streets which is why now um, the IOF are known for two two attacks. So they will, as you saw with the journalist the other day, I believe, in Gaza, I've, I've heard, yeah. um, they will just prevent any medical aid getting to you. Um, so with the raid in Asker, when they detonated the house, when they demolished the house, um, ambulances were denied entry to Asker camp. So they wouldn't have been able to tend to Naeem when he was shot and killed. Um, and there's videos that I was shown in Asker of, of people throwing rocks. And should people be throwing rocks? No. Um, could a rock hurt someone? Yes. Could yeah. it damage things? No, because these are military vehicles. A rock isn't going to yeah. damage a military vehicle. There, um, you know, there were you know, people defending themselves. It's you know, defending rocks. their homes with rocks. And there's, rocks there's videos. The, the tanks. Or uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or at bulldozers. Yeah. Um, and they'll shoot them and they'll die on the street in agony. And there's one video that really, really, really sticks in my mind. And I, I've walked the exact street where that video was taken. Um, and they're throwing rocks on this corner down this street. It's like a crossroad thing. And a kid darts out from behind a car and like crosses the street to the other corner here. Yeah. And he gets shot and he collapses on the floor. And the group that is still stood over here, one of them like he like he throws his hands up in the air and just like bangs against the garage that he stood behind. And it like 
breaks my heart. And you know the whole cringy saying of like, my heart's left in wherever. Like, oh, I went on a safari in Kenya. My heart's in Kenya. Your heart's in Palestine. My heart's in Palestine. And I can't, I, I don't have enough words. I study words. I studied English literature. And when I write, I can write it very eloquently. But when I speak, there aren't enough words in my head to describe it. But since 2021, the the cause of Palestine and the the fight for freedom and equality in Palestine, which is an apartheid state, it's an occupied an occupied state. Um, it's been something that's very very close to home for me. Yes, it really it sat on my heart. It sat very heavy on my heart, and I have no, I have no Muslim family. I have no Middle Eastern family. There's no reason for it to have. I mean, hit as close to home as it has. I think it, it's a reflection of your character because, I mean, before we recorded, you told me that as a four-year-old. Yeah. yeah four. As a four-year-old, your dream in life <laughs> well, was to got. sit in the middle of a battlefield yeah. um, and prevent the Afghan war. Yeah. And you had you had a dream to just sit there Specifically in the middle. Specifically on a stool, on a, st- a three-seat, three-legged stool. Stool. And then you have to your left and to your right mm. people charging at each other. Yeah, that was that was all I knew. So my, as I said, my mum's a teacher. Um, so I started school in when I was five because I'm a September birthday. Yeah. So at four years old, my mum, I had an extra year at home basically. Yeah. So I could read, and so I, I'd read things. I have older siblings. I'd read some of their books. So I had this vision that war was still like World War One, horses like charging each other, whatever. Yeah. And my, like I'd heard things about the Afghan war because people were being deployed to Afghanistan. So I think. The conversation in the UK at the time is very, very pro the British army. Absolutely. Like we're going out to like defend democracy, you know. And I think that all just went over my head as a four-year-old anyway. Um, And it was just about stopping people from fighting. Uh, And it was literally a milkmaid's stool was my vision. And my mum Milkmaid's stool? Yeah, like a very basic wooden stool. And I wanted to sit in the middle and tell both sides to stop fighting. And I think as you get older, maybe you become a little bit more realistic. But you look at you look at some of the technology like those surveillance planes I was telling you about where you can't see them but you hear them and you see the flash of photos being taken and you look at that technology and you look at some of the guns they're using when we were doing this trek out of Janine like this four and a bit hour trek you'd, you'd look to your right and you'd see this massive anti-aircraft yeah. gun on a hilltop yeah. Palestine doesn't have any planes yeah. their airport was bombed years ago um, and you look at that technology that's being created to cause harm and to kill people and you don't have a cure for cancer and it's just so warped it's so so warped that this technology exists but technology that would save lives just hasn't been developed yet and I think for me I will never be happy living in such a developed country like I love Dubai for what it can what it can give me like it's such a beautiful life I can have in Dubai But is it a beautiful life when I know that this is a reality for millions of people? Um, you know, it's not just Palestine. You've got you've got Yemen who have had all of their aid suspended and support yeah. because they support Palestine because of what they're doing to the shipping routes. Yes. You know, you've got Congo, you've got Sudan, you've got uh, you've got the Muslim population in North China. Um, you've got Kashmir, you've got Myanmar. Like, you've got so many countries around the world that are facing such injustice, such violence, such genocide. Um, just this morning, 
uh, I saw a petition to remove, I believe it's the United Nations. Um, she's supposed to prevent genocide. She's supposed to raise awareness for genocide when it's occurring so that preventative action can be taken, calling for her resignation. And I think as long as these injustices exist, I cannot live a happy, fulfilled life in a Western country. Um, but as I said, like the cause of the Palestinian people is just since 2021 with the Sheikh Jarrah evictions. Yeah has just sat so heavy on my heart. Um, and having since met Palestinians who are part of the diaspora, who cannot return home, who were raised in Dubai, have Canadian passports, have American passports. It's just such a difficult uh, reality for me. And even months ago, I said, I will never go to Palestine until the Palestinians I know have the right to return home. And I think that my tact has definitely changed in the fact yeah. that I do believe I can provide something of benefit. I can document. Um, Even if it's, I mean, with, with, with what, I mean, this, this one trip that you had, mm. um, the impact, I mean. I think it opens conversations and I think that's just yeah. really, really important. Yeah. Like even having conversations with my grandpa, my 88 year old grandpa this morning. On an individual level. Yeah, yeah. Like understanding his perspective of the news and being very, very surprised by his outlook on it positively surprised might I add having conversations with my mum um she's she has skills that can be offered to these children she's she has that teaching that teaching background um and even when I went back to Dubai there were people who were like you know when you go in March I would come with you um you made people more yeah like I and definitely need to improve my Arabic before I go back but you, you've, you've inspired people I mean the show is called what's on your mind mm. I mean how has your mind changed? You know, it's your perspective. Like, I think my mind's been so busy. Um, it sounds so cliched. So apologies. Apology accepted. But all I think about is Palestine. I wake up in the morning and it's it's one of the first things on my mind. I think it becomes very consuming and it becomes very, very difficult to switch off from it. And I feel privileged to be able to have moments where I can switch off from it because these people live this existence every single day. And I've come home for Christmas. I flew back to spend Christmas with my family. And I think even even that, like, I didn't want to come back to the UK. It's so cold here. I'm used to a warm weather now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh, from Dubai. I mean, oh, Dubai's beautiful now as well. So, so cold. Yeah. I didn't have a coat at the airport, so yeah. I was like freezing. Yeah. But even coming home, yeah. it became such an important thing to me because these people give it all to spend time with their family. Uh, How do you wrestle with that idea though? I mean, you know, because someone told me and some someone told me like, you know, there's, you you could you could even let it consume you. You know, as you said, yeah. you spend nearly every waking moment thinking about Palestine and that mm. I empathize in the way that that is mentally exhausting, challenging. Mm. But as you said, people live that reality. Yeah. But, I, you know, even in your situation now, it's... You it know, sits here, like right here. It sits in the chest. It sits right here. Like having this conversation, like it feels tight. I feel... I feel... You know, I'm, I admit I'm, I feel tight. I'm, 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 I'm an educated person, right? I yeah. should have more words. And I don't. And I think for me, something that's been very, very beautiful is being introduced to the culture behind Palestine and seeing a Palestine that isn't shown in the media. 
So for me, it's been meeting Palestinian people, uh, seeing such a beautiful country, yeah. such beautiful food, such beautiful beautiful hospitality, yeah. children that have dreams and ambitions, people yeah. asking me to take their photos. Yeah. I hate Kanafa. Went to Nablus, which is the home of Kanafa. Did you like it? The most beautiful Kanafa. Like, oh my goodness. Was the one with the orange. On yes. Oh, that's, that's the good it's one. It's a yeah, soft yeah, top yeah. Kanafa. Oh, wow. But they okay. make it with a milk that's part cow, part goat, which is specific to Nablus. Wow. And even in Aska camp, so refugee yeah. camp, they gave me the rolled Kanafa. Yeah. And it was stunning. I loved it. Um, so for me, oh, mm, okay. yeah, delicious. Thinking about that right now. <laughs> but existence is resistance. And... Even things like I went to a Dabka show in Ramallah. Went to a Dabka show? Yeah, some children. And it was over an hour long. And it was just so beautiful seeing the culture. So I think for me, a way that I've really been able to manage sort of the mental side of a very taxing trip. Like I don't want for a minute to act like it was like a nonchalant trip that I can just Which is why I'm, you know, I'm I'm even expressing concern as a a friend at the moment Mm. to sort of say, you know, like it's, you know, there's, I'm even like, as an educated person, I usually have maybe too yeah, much yeah. words for things. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's right. always my problem. <laughs> yeah, right. I kind of, but I, I've been lost for words for the past uh, hour and ten minutes, which is what's on your mind's longest episode yeah. so far. <laughs> I think um, it's it's just finding time to switch off, whilst also honouring the experience I've had. So, like last night, for example, my family have never eaten Palestinian food. Middle Eastern food's never really been. Oh, did you get a that thing. in the house last night? Uh, I hosted my, or I cooked for my mum. Um, what do you make? Ah, uh, I've forgotten what it's called. Romania? Romania? Wait, so what's Pomegranate. the... Oh, oh, Roman. It might have been that, yeah. Yeah, okay, but what what did you do with it? Like... So it's like lentils with pomegranate, 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 pomegranate molasses. molasses. Yeah, yeah. Dips and, of Roman. Yeah, yeah, and I cooked it all, and I was like, aubergine. Yeah. Um, my mum loves that kind of food anyway, so I'm like, why haven't you cooked this before? Yeah. Uh, and Arabic bread is like, the nicest bread in the world. So yeah. I cooked uh, Arabic bread from scratch um, and I served it to her and she loved it. Wow. <laughs> but it's for me, it's like, I really believe that yeah. there is a cultural resistance that can happen and that it's really, really important to share the culture, share the beauty of the country whilst acknowledging the atrocities that are being committed there. Absolutely. And to share with my family who are not politically outspoken, who... Um, a, live quite a sheltered life like you know the radio used to be turned down when i was a kid so that we didn't hear yeah like the atrocities that happen around the world yeah um being able to share that being able to share sort of the arabic music um being able to share footage of a beautiful country of beautiful dancing so that people see palestine as more than just yeah. an occupied war zone because it's not it, it's not there's so much more to it there's so many more beautiful people and experiences and i think I went back um, to Dubai after Palestine. How long were you there for in total? Um, uh, so nine days. Nine days? Nine days. Um, eight nights, nine days. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. And I got this tapestry. So tapestry embroidery is a massive thing for Palestinians. Um, and I got this tapestry from my friend in Dubai. Um, and I look up to her so much. I know her through my jiu-jitsu studio. Yeah. There's quite a few Palestinians there, which yeah. has been amazing. Lovely, yeah. Um, and it was, it said something along the lines of like my home, my blood, my land, like, and it was the, the guy had like basically told me to take it. And I was like, I can't take this. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel right. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not Palestinian. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not claiming to be Palestinian. Yeah. And so as soon as I saw it, I thought of my friend Lena. And so I was like, no, I will take that. I will buy that. 
Um, and I gifted it to her when I got back to Dubai. And it really took me off guard how um, grateful she was. Because to me, it was just a, a tapestry that had made me think of Lena. To her, it was like such a thoughtful gift. And the next day at training, because uh, I gave it to her at Christmas lunch, the next day at training, she, she was there and she'd bought with her a bottle of olive oil yeah. from her family, from Orphan. her parents' village yeah. just outside Naples. Yeah. And I, I actually bought that bottle of olive oil home with me to share with my family. That is, yeah. Because I wanted to share. Isn't it the best olive oil though? Honestly, I've delicious. It, like, well. yeah. delicious. But for me, it's more than just that. It's the fact that a friend um, felt that she could share that with me felt that she could share that part of her family of her heritage because it's um, more than just the bottle of olive oil it is and it like is. Yeah. the way they treat the olive trees in palestine they are part of a family yeah and i think that's one of my regrets from my trip to palestine is it was too short i didn't have a chance to like you know go and visit some of the things like the soap making that they make with the olive oil yeah um and they were still picking olives when we were there yeah. it's way past olive picking season but the violence that they've faced from settlers when harvesting has been so high this year. But there's quite a lot um, of remaining olives. Yeah. yeah, there's olives that still haven't been picked, which is really sad um, when you understand the importance of olives in yeah. that culture. Um, so yeah, shout out to Lena. Like shout it was, it was okay. such such uh, a touching gift for me. Yeah, um, I'm as, awful as at receiving gave, gifts. As the gift you gave her was just yeah, a touching thing, and it's yeah. that sort of cultural exchange. I think is really really important. Yeah. It's a really important conversation to have and. You know, I'm trying to fly back to Dubai with hand luggage because I've realized I don't need hoodies in Dubai. Yeah. Um, so I'm Even in winter, buying, by the way. It's still, yeah. yeah. Honestly, I bought way too much out there. Yeah. But I'm trying to bring back my olive oil in 100 mil glass yeah. bottles so that like it <laughs> yeah. gets through security because it was just really important for me to bring that to my family yeah. and to share it as a community, to share the bread, the za'atar, yeah. the, the olive za'atar. oil. Oh, I went to so many shops to buy different za'atar, yeah. different tea. Yeah. The tea over there is like... Yeah, yeah I mean, it's... Um, so I bought so much food back from yeah. Palestine. Um, yeah. I searched down the wafers. You know the family that hosted me, yes. Janine? The wafers. Wafers will always remind me of that beautiful family. And I went to so many shops in Palestine, buying like every wafer I could see to like try and find the same wafer. Um, Is it the same? No, probably not. I haven't eaten them yet. Yeah. I have this thing where like if something's special to me, I'll like keep it. Preserve it, yeah. yeah I guess. And so I'm like really nervous about trying them. But I just, I think if people can go to Palestine go um but it's could this, they now? yeah i believe they could yeah. i believe they could i believe it it could be safe for you if you're not recording the iof yeah um as i said i'm going in march so if people want to join um please i'm gonna if you don't mind obviously i'm gonna put your instagram in the yeah, sure. description yeah uh, do you have a highlight for the things that you've Oh, I have so many Palestinian highlights. Yeah, I filled up my highlights within like three days of Cause, being Because I so. really want people to see what, what, you've, yeah. what you've shared as well. Like, you know, to get that visual because, I mean, when, when I saw it. Yeah. And like, because I was looking at it and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, I was really mm. just in in admiration in many senses. Not just from, as you said, the beautiful culture that you were seeing. Mm. But also, you know, you as an individual who today's the first time we meet in person and we have a conversation. And I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, you know, I'm, this is... You know, I've, I've just been like, of course, I've. it's been a heavy episode to record. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm smiling. I mean, I feel like, yeah. I've, you know, you're you're a bit of a hero in that sense. No, um, no, not at all. Like, honestly, the people that live that every day, the people that had uh, such an opening attitude towards me yeah. as a foreigner, I have 
utmost admiration to them yeah. because they have every reason to not trust me, to not yeah. trust my intentions. And I mean, I've I've been posting about Palestine since 2021. And the worst thing was my Instagram got hacked in Israel. Right. Um, and so whereas yeah. usually I'd show people my Instagram to like show a history. Yeah. Um, I couldn't do that. I couldn't get back into my Instagram. My number was blocked. Um, how that happened? Did it just? It, I mean, I think we can all hazard a guess how that happened. Um, okay. Uh, I don't want to speculate, but yeah. uh, I think we can all make a pretty good guess as to what happened. Um, you were so you were posting on you were post you were documenting or like you were posting some of the experiences. Yeah. So and, it was yeah. after it was after documenting Friday prayer in East Jerusalem. Yeah. I then left East Jerusalem to Ramallah because I really wanted to go to see. Uh, Dome of the Rock yeah. and that's shot on Saturday for yeah. tourists as well Yeah. so I was like right we'll come back to East Jerusalem at the end of the trip yeah. and, and go in then um, which is the most beautiful place by the way like wow. even as a non-Muslim like the sense of peace I, I got in that in that compound was just no accident um, yeah, <laughs> yeah and I mean it's a compound that Muslims were being denied entry to whilst uh, Zionist settlers were going in under armed protection and spitting on the steps of the mosque. Spitting on the steps? Yes. Um, yeah, I've got it recorded as well. Oh, wow. okay. I'm not at that point of posting on my Instagram. I've been posting um, after I've left to keep people protected, to keep myself yeah. protected. Uh, so I think I'm leaving Janine today um, on yeah. my Instagram stories. Wow. Um, that's how far behind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the intimidation in Jerusalem was, was will be posted. And my account's now public. Um, because I want people to see, actually. I mean, yeah, okay. Um, and you will, you know, you're certainly given, you're given the freedom. Yeah, You're exactly. given the freedom of expression um, to do that. Yeah. And I, I'd who say, listen to this, I hope they can see. Yeah, uh, and I hope people... At Rebecca Potter underscore, I'll put it in the description. Yeah, Rebecca Potter underscore. Yeah. I hope people either, um, either want to go uh, at this point in time, especially if you are in a privileged position like me where you look international i can play the dumb blonde card of i just thought flights were cheap like oh i don't know what's going on um but also it's it's a beautiful place that are really really suffering from lack of tourism yeah um really 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 struggling financially Naturally. economically after yeah. covid as well yeah um and also in march when i go i've made very very uh lovely connections in Asuka camp especially yeah so I'm hoping to bring out some uh, suitcases with donations yeah uh, mainly clothes um, yeah and you take that with you for me to not distribute them but to give them to people I know there to distribute them as they as they feel is needed in the community um glad you said that I'd like to speak to you <laughs> yeah like yeah. honestly I'm there with like I'm like yeah. ordering um vacuum pack bags so yeah. I can, like and I'm thinking, I'm not sure how I'm going to get through the border with this, but it'll be fine. It'll be fine, inshallah. So Inshallah. You know, yeah. I smile. So when you say, you know, like, it makes me so happy. I mean, like... Ah, honestly, okay. anyway. like, Arabic yeah. words are just like, it's the most beautiful language. I mean, it's honestly. Arabic, but it's also, you know, these it's, are deep yeah. words with, like, very profound mm, Muslim meaning. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just excited about that. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Well. No, thank you so much for having me on. Um, it's been one hour, 20 minutes. When I texted you, wow. I was like... I, I I really wanted to share some of the stories that I had. I, and I was I believe more, the stories need to be shared. And I, and I want to say like I, it was it's been the biggest privilege. Like right. honestly, you know um, uh, you're you know you're you're an absolutely lovely individual. And I mean I'm I'm lucky to have you on our platform. Um, oh, thank you. And for you to for you to just share these amazing stories, um, these real stories. Mm. Emphasis on that word. Yeah, and I just hope I've done right by the people who were 
kind enough to introduce me to their world, to show me their things. I hope I've done that justice as well. I feel like it's all very, very confuddled in my head still. Um, like that word. Confuddled. Um, but yeah, like it's definitely something that it, it's a heavy topic. So I really, really appreciate um, having sort of a platform to, to vocalize some of that. I mean, absolutely. I mean, if that's if that's the least I think we can do is just to give people a voice, you know. I that's think what they want. That's that's what anyone wants. And, mm. you know, even if it's in the slightest, as you said, through these micro interactions, yeah. you with your granddad, you, you know, like with the 1000 plus followers you may have mm. on Instagram or however many that even if mm. it's a few hundred that see your story yeah. or even less. Yeah. It is just so important and everyone deserves a voice. I mean, we're, we're you know, I say, Alhamdulillah, subhanAllah, you know, we're given life and mm. we're given... I think we have a duty. I think we have a responsibility. Yeah. Um, whether it's Palestine or not, you, we all have a responsibility to be the voice for the voiceless. I think it is a case of, and I said this to my mum when I arrived back in the UK, and she was like, you know, your dad was so worried. Like, we were worried. Why you? Why do you have to go? Naturally. And it's the whole, well, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? When? And I think there is no better time than now. Um, you know, like, God forbid something happened to me. I, I do believe I'll make, that this I'll make is... dua for your protection. Thank yeah. you. Shukran. Shukran. Um, <laughs> I do believe that everything happens for a reason, that we are, yeah. are all given a purpose. And I, I hope that if anything did happen, you know, my privilege would give me um, a media platform of outrage, which I know it would, a British national abroad, um, in any way, shape or form. And you're willing to hurt. take that? I am because I understand that privilege and I think it would be, um, I would be ashamed of myself if I wasn't able to take that, that risk. I'm very fortunate that I have a job that allows me to travel. I'm very fortunate I have a family who support what I do, even though they might not like it. I don't have children. You know, I have a husband who is who is supportive of what I do, yeah. who was willing to come with me, which I'm so, so grateful for. And I made some beautiful connections. And I think one day my great grandkids are potentially going to ask me what side of history I stood on in this moment in time. And I want to be able to tell them that I stood on the right side. And one day, you know, I'm going to stand before a maker and he's going to ask me, what did you do? And this is what I did. So I believe you're going to, you know, um, I'm not perfect, you know. I, I never want to. I never want to paint that picture at all. Um, but it's just a small thing that I could do, and it's. It, it felt like such a small, small uh, trip to me. Yeah. Um, but like, even if five people see it and decide to do a bit more research into to what's happening, then it's it wasn't a wasted trip. You you read my mind because I mean throughout this, the only thing I was thinking was what's, what's one thing listeners can take away. Mm. You're like, what's one thing I could take away sitting next to you at the moment and you you put it perfectly you know we have a duty i mean to give you know we say alhamdulillah like to be blessed mm. with privilege but one who is best with privilege should you know use his privilege for good and that yeah. is indeed giving a voice to the voiceless and it, it doesn't mean yeah. it doesn't mean everyone hopping on a plane to jordan and crossing the border to palestine and, and doing what i did because that's not feasible for everyone and i have a number of Middle Eastern friends who would love to do what I did and yeah. do not have the ability to do that because of their surname, because of the colour of their skin, because of what they look like. Yes. 
they would be put at risk, which isn't worth it. Yes. Um, but it's if they share a story, if that is something that they can do, yeah. um, then then that is it. And I think don't ever measure it by what someone else has done. Like for me, I feel ashamed that I'm not a doctor in Gaza right now. You know, <laughs> like I feel guilty. I feel a, a deep guilt. But that's not within my ability. So you yeah. know, I have to push that aside. Well, what can I do? But you do have other abilities yeah, exactly. allowed you or allow you to exactly and i think it's just just looking back like what's the right thing to do and i think that's for any situation really isn't it what's what's the right thing to do that is um i think that's i mean that's a perfect way to end the episode mm. but anything else no i, I mean I'm, I'm nearly i've just been it's hard to get out a lot of words. I mean, I can't. Yeah. I can't believe I'm. I'm. It's like my mum the other day. She was untangling a necklace for my younger brother yeah. to give to his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, Thank you. And that is how my words and my stories feel right now. Um, and they have since I left. And I think it's it's things like this that will really help me. It's unpick just important. It. It's important. Um, people people see people know yeah, because this is. It just feels very jumbled. It yeah. feels very heavy. The news is very heavy. People need to take time out from the news as well. Like, give yourself space. Give yeah. yourself grace yeah. um, to be able to digest. Um, because I think that's when people's best work can be done. So Absolutely. And I want to, you know, take the chance, you know, as an acquaintance, as a friend, mm. if you do find it difficult, reach out to me. Thank you. Reach out to your friends. And for those listening, this is, you know, it's drowning yeah. a lot of the time. It's very drowning. And... Rebecca may not be the only one that wakes up and goes to bed and all they can think about is Palestine. I hear of people, you know, finding it, having guilt in having a peaceful night's sleep. Yeah, you go you to know? sleep at night and you lay there and you can't get to sleep. And it's like, yeah. that's not healthy. That's not normal. Um, don't let it become a normal. It's not uh, normal. And speak to people. Speak to people yeah. because, yeah, I mean, there is everyone here that's, mm -hmm. you know, reach out to me. I mean, send a DM. I'd be happy to, yeah. to, to chat as well. Yeah. Um, Rebecca, um, it's been a pleasure once no, again. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Yeah. And February. We'll, uh, we'll I'll, I'll be Dubai. in I'll be in Dubai. <laughs> yeah. And we'll catch up. Um, I'll give you some clothes to donate. If that's oh, okay. awesome! Thank you so yeah. much. Um, we'll find we'll find a way to. Yeah. I'll get I'll get them across to Dubai somehow. Vacuum pack bags. Vacuum pack bags. I might forward. do I might do that to be honest. Um, but yeah, this is uh, it's been real great. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, thank you.